For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now, no purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 615.24. Void were prohibited. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the off-season Twitch show here on the OBR's Twitch channel. My name is Andrew Spade. I'm happy to be with you. I'm filling in for Ian McBride, who is a little bit under the weather, but he's still on the ones and twos in the background helping me out because if I had to do it all, I would uh, melt into a puddle. Um, real quick, before we get started, just want to break down what's on the OBR website today. We've got an article from the great Fred Greetham breaking down the interior defensive linemen and expectations for that group in 2022. It's a mixed up group with a lot of new faces and uh, Fred takes a look at it there for you. Uh, we've got the Newswire as always. Uh, I put an article up yesterday. Uh, Andrew Barry was on Thomas Dimitrov's podcast, the old uh, Atlanta Falcons GM. And he had some interesting things to say about team building philosophy, really more about organizational culture. That um, was the really the focus of their interview. And uh, so I broke down some of the highlights for that, um, or I guess really transcribed them. So you can listen to the whole thing. It's an hour long, or you can just read my article and save yourself quite a bit of time. Uh, Jack Duffin over the weekend for VIPs uh, ran down the tight ends on the roster currently and uh, what the contracts look like going forward throughout the next few seasons. And I think that brings us up to date on what's on the OBR. Uh, tonight on the show, I'm going to be joined by uh, Corey Kinnon. And I think Fred Greetham is going to stop by at some point as well. Corey's here right now. Hi, Corey. How are you? I am great, Andrew. It's great. It's it's really good to join you. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was uh, out and about most of the day. It's always weird when you don't have a chance to like check your phone or the. I feel like there's a 10% chance I'm going to be blindsided by something I didn't see that happened today. Pretty slow oh. day, you know, okay. all things considered. Yeah, right. I okay. didn't see anything. So okay, all right. You know, so I'm safe. I think we're in the clear. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, so I think uh, tonight, like I said, Fred's going to stop by at some point. He is here now. Hi, Fred. Welcome. Welcome. How are you? Good. Good How are you? Doing great. Okay. Just getting ready uh, to go on vacation. Where are you going, Fred? A place called uh, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. It's down oh, in Tennessee, sure. Smoky Mountains. Absolutely. Um, got Love the Smokies. Rented a big house for my clan. There's like 18 of us going to be there. Holy cow. Wow. All right. Yeah, that's a great vacation. Uh, this is And this is a great time to be down there, too. The, the Appalachians in summertime are, it's one of my favorite places. Um, so tonight on the show, we're going to talk a little bit of Deshaun Watson uh, and Jacoby Brissett. A lot of the news last week was about Watson, as everybody, I'm sure, is aware. Um, you know, there was, there was some talk uh, from uh, Tony Busby that he was going to potentially add the Houston Texans to the lawsuit. I'm not a lawyer, so, you know, some of this stuff is hard for me to answer. Um, but I think, you know, for our purposes tonight, one of the things that would be interesting to talk about is what does this Browns team look like if uh, Jacoby Brissett is taking the majority of the snaps? Uh, so just a quick bio on Joe, Jacoby Brissett. He's drafted in the Patriots in the third round, drafted by the Patriots in the third round, played as a rookie uh, when Tom Brady was suspended for the deflate gate uh, issues. And then also when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, um, he was traded to the Colts after Andrew Luck got hurt and started 30 games in three seasons with the Colts. And last year he backed up Tua Tagovailoa in Miami and he started five games. Uh, he's been, you know, league average, maybe a little bit below league average through his career. Um, he's definitely safe with the football. He's a smart decision maker. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part, he's probably fits into that game manager category, but he is you know, pretty athletic and able to move around the pocket pretty well. Um, so I guess, Fred, I know you've got to run uh, after not too long, so let's get right to you. What do you think if, so, let's say, uh, so Ian Rappaport today said on Pat McAfee's show that he still feels like it's between six and 10 games for Watson. So if Watson is suspended for eight games, Jacoby Brissett has to play eight games. What do you think the Browns season looks like with eight games of Jacoby Brissett and nine games of Deshaun Watson? Well, I think his job is just to not let him get buried in the standings. You know, I think about yeah. the worst you can do is three and five. The reason I say that, because 
I don't know how many times over the years the TV put, when they start putting up in the hunt and all that stuff for playoffs, it's usually about middle of the season. And I always remember teams listed as in the hunt at three and five, three and six, four and six, stuff like that. But most of the, there's so much parity. It seems like teams end up, you know, in the 10 and seven range or, or even 11 and six, nine and eight. And you're still have a chance depending. I think it all is about the division and you play most of your division games in the second half of the season. So I think that if he can just keep them afloat, if that's the case, I think that it bodes well, but that's assuming Watson is able to just immediately, you know, hit the ground running, you know, at full speed. But no, I think that that's, there's no question. That's his job. I'm not the biggest Jacoby Brissett, you know, fan, um, never really been that impressed with him. I think it's just kind of like, you know, he's a backup mm-hmm. quarterback and probably one of the better backup quarterbacks. But if that's the path they end up choosing and that's what happens, that's, um, you know, I think that's the best he can do is, is just be a game manager, like you said, not turn the ball over and maybe rely a little more on the running game and, you know, I'd like to see maybe, you know, he's he's got a little more mobility and in this new look offense, maybe maybe they would have him, you know, run a little bit more mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, rely on the running games. And, and you're going to depend on your special teams and defense this year a little more to keep you in games. And then you just hope they can win it. The bright side is last year, you know, long before the quarterback switch up, I blame the whole season on the offense. They couldn't score 20 points a game. The defense, especially in the second half of the year, was playing good enough to win most of those games. The offense just could not score any points. So it's all in the offense, again, in my opinion, to put some points on the board. And whatever they think is the best way to go about doing that, that's what they got to do. I think that's spot on. I think. The, the point there about surviving, keeping them, you know, treading water somewhere around there is, is probably about right. And if if you could, like you said, if you could be three and five, four and four, you'd be pretty happy with that. Uh, Corey, uh, question for you, building off of what Fred just said, you, you take a look at who Baker Mayfield was in 2021. We know he was hurt, but he was at times a, a very below average quarterback. Can Jacoby Brissett be a better quarterback for this team in 2022 than Baker Mayfield was in 2021? Yes. Yes, he can. Uh, again, as you said, like a lot of the offense last year was designed, w- was schemed, was open. And and so like, I think the expectation for Jacoby just needs to be like, can I get my eyes in the right spot? And when I get my eyes there, can I, can I anticipate that throw? And can I, can I throw it accurately? And anticipation and accuracy hasn't really always been his thing, but like, it really wasn't Baker's thing last year either when his mechanics broke down, when his shoulder broke down and his footwork was, was trash and, and his front shoulder is swinging open. So I think that's the goal, right? Be as good, if not a little bit better mm-hmm. is kind of what, what they, they, they need out of Jacoby percent. You know, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, those first four games are Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. So, you know, we're talking about Carolina's right. not like they have a, a lame duck office, you know, we'll see what, what happens with, with Zach Wilson in year two, but then we're talking about Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett and Marcus Mariota. So like, get out of that three and one. And that's a really good way to start the season. And yep. I think even, even again, Kevin Stefanski is going to have to peel back the playbook like he did last year uh, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of dial things up for his quarterback um, to where, you know, the back half of the season will be a little more, again, it's, it's really sticky talking about Deshaun Watson, but like the back half of the season is, is going to be like, he's really going to cater the offense to the talents of his quarterback. Whereas the, you know, the first half, if it is eight games, is going to be, him catering the offense to his quarterback, but in a different way where he's got to kind of water it down and he's got to kind of peel layers back. Right. Um, but again, I think that's the goal, you know, can he be as good as Baker Mayfield? And I think if you would inject truth serum into Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, they'd probably say that's, that's the goal. I think right. that's, that's what we can ask out of him. So that's the bar. Yeah. That's okay. the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Fred, the other thing I want to mention here is uh, you, you mentioned it today in Slack. Um, Big, big week in Berea this week uh, with mandatory minicamp coming up. You're going to be there the next three days, right? Well, actually, it's not even in Berea. It's, oh, that's it's right. The, it's the statewide tour. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen where, you know, the 
mandatory minicamp is open by rule to the media all three days. That's NFL rule. It's your last shot at it, but they're making us go, you know, to Berea. That's normal. So tomorrow I assume will be very similar to what it's been the last couple of weeks, you know, when we've been in there, but then Wednesday we're going to the hall of fame and they're having a practice from 10 30 to 11. I don't know what you can get. They don't even get their stretching done that quickly. Yeah. And, and then they're going to have a tour of the hall of fame. And then Thursday, they're going to finish up at the stadium first energy with a practice down there. All three days we talked to Stefanski and then players after um, each practice. So, yeah, we'll be having a lot coming out of there. Just, who, again, it's depending on who we get to talk to, but as far as what we get to observe, very limited. You get to just kind of see in general what's going on, but it's our last shot before training camp. So, yep, all three days I'll have a story or two, you know, coming out of Berea, Canton, and Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, the Ohio regional uh, practices. Too bad we can't go to Ohio State for a yeah, you, or something. Yeah, I think they could have fit that in. I Do you have a sense for why Stefanski decided to structure it that way this year? Well, he, he said that with COVID, he's, you know, wanted to go to the Hall of Fame. You know, he says it's, you know, it's, it's a crime. They're right down the road and, and we don't go there. So that's more than anything. I think it's a team bonding, you know, and that type of thing. So that makes sense. And I think the stadium thing is kind of similar to just show the new guys, you know, get, get kind of used to the surroundings before they even get to training camp. As you know, training camps are more condensed nowadays, you know, they only have three games in the preseason. So it seems like, boom, they show up, they practice a week and then they're starting the preseason game. So I think it's just familiarity. And I think some of it's because these are things he wanted to do that they couldn't do the last two years. Yeah. So they're just, they're kind of getting out and experiencing, making up for lost time to a certain extent uh, with the last two years. Uh, Paul Spencer in chat, makes a great point. Lots of emphasis on team building so far this year. Uh, a lot of, uh, social events that, uh, I, more of an emphasis there maybe than there has been years past. I mean, as you said, Fred, COVID limits the amount of that that you can get away with, uh, uh, previously, but yeah, they've been, they've been out and about a lot this spring. Well, and, and plus, um, you know, the players last year kind of said the team wasn't unified and and so you've seen Watson take the group the Atlantis and the Bahamas and then you saw Garrett go to South Beach and and then the defensive backs are doing something and they're talking about doing something else and there's been these top golf type things and I just think they're really trying to make an effort to bond as a team. Uh, Corey on on the topic of mini camps uh, is there something like if, if if there's something we can take away from practice. I know it's hard ever to do that, but it, to the extent that we can, is there something that you are interested to see this week? Or if, if you could, I mean, to go back to what you said about truth serum, is there some, some little nugget of information you're hoping to extract from the next few days of practice? Yeah. Again, that you made a good point that, that it's really hard until the pads come on to really like, okay, what's going on here. But you know, I think I think I want to see some eleven on eleven and kind of see what kind of formations we've seen some pistol kind of reps in, in individual drills. So, like, what kind of different things are they they pulling out in eleven on eleven offensively, defensively? Um, you know, I, I, I want to see continue to see you know the new quarterback, new wide receiver um, chemistry. We'll see with with Cooper Watson slash Brissett. Um, kind of see how that 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 goes over. Um, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but again, how how the rookies are kind of fitting in now that they are a part of the team units. Cause again, all we have so far is individual drills and some like a little bit of, of, of team sessions, but not really. So like how will David Bell fit in with the veterans and the whole offense in 11 on 11, when he's told, you know, be in the slot in, in 11 personnel, you know, things like that. So uh, I think that's the kind of stuff I'll be looking out for. Again, the offensive line is the status quo you're bringing everybody except Nick Harris, but we kind of know, I mean, offensive line until the pads get on, you're not going to see a whole lot anyway. So, like, I, I think it's more of those, you know, how how are, are the offensive playmakers going to mesh with their new quarterbacks? Um, and then I always like the, like the little one-on-ones, you know, when, when Cooper's going to go up against Bell, you know, or Cooper's going to go up against Ward and mm-hmm. new someone Bell, things like that are the kind of things that I'm, that I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, it's that iron sharpens iron piece where you get to see the guys that are the ones on each side kind of go after each other and 
I, I mean, for me, it's always Garrett versus whoever is on the other side from him. But that, you know, like you said, that doesn't happen until training camp. So, um, Fred, I know you've got a busy evening. I don't want to keep you too long. Anything else uh, burning up your uh, phone lines this evening? What, what else is going on in the, in the Browns world from your perspective? No, not a whole lot. We'll, we'll have <laughs> some storylines right? coming out the next couple of days. But tonight it's kind of like just kind of chill and, okay. and uh, let it let it soak in. So. Okay. We'll Thanks be for stopping back by, and Fred. reporting it. Yep. I appreciate Thanks it. Have a great night. See you. Uh, so the second thing we wanted to talk about to kind of pivot to the next topic uh, is the uh, rookies uh, in 2022 and what we expect from them. Uh, Corey is here, uh, is obviously our draft expert, and uh, you know we covered this pretty in depth. Um, you know, right after the draft, and we've kind of had a you know month and a half now to kind of marinate on how they fit. We've seen some practices and they've been in the building. And so I thought it might make sense to just kind of revisit that topic and, and dig in a little bit on, on some of the key questions that are, that are sort of coming to the forefront with these players. So I think the one that I've seen the most sort of around uh, Brown's Twitter or in our forums at the OBR is what kind of role do we expect for David Bell as a rookie wide receiver, like from day one, what's he going to be doing the first game of the season in Carolina? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And I think it's going to be perhaps a lot more than people expect. Um, and, and one thing that, that I always go back to is again, the offenses has clearly shifted to a more explosive version of what they were in, in 2021. So, um, again, Hooper's gone, Landry's gone. These kind of guys that ate over the middle of the field, like ate a large amount of reps over the middle of the field, Higgins, another guy that's kind of his niche, they're all gone. Uh, and so now we've pivoted to Donovan Peoples-Jones who, uh, thrives, you know, mainly towards the boundary down the field. Uh, and then Cooper, who, who's a technician, he'll win it wherever. But like, and now we're going to feature Njoku a lot more too, who who also wins vertically, who's going to eat at the scene. And so we went from a set of playmakers who kind of all congregated to the middle of the field, the short to intermediate, short to intermediate middle of the field to nobody. That's not, that's not really anybody. And if any of those guys is like, that's where they live. Uh, and I think that's, that's a really good opportunity for David Bell to step into that spot. Um, so I think David Bell is going to see a tremendous amount of targets. Uh, I, I think they are going to operate him out of the slot as well a lot. Uh, but I do think he's going to see some, see some reps at, at the Z uh, as well and play outside. Um, again, Landry did about 60, 40. I think, I think we could see that with Bell as well. Um, just because again, Dunning Peoples Jones doesn't have really the the, the kind of skill set to move in, move out, yeah. vertical, underneath. Yeah. So, you know, I think he's gonna have a good season too. But like you can use David Bell in a multitude of ways, in more ways than you can use an Anthony Schwartz, in more ways you can use a Donovan Peoples Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Browns like they have a clear role for him uh yeah. immediately. And I think he's gonna see a tremendous amount of targets as a rookie. So yeah, my my impression of Bell just generally as a sort of a rough sketch is that he's a somewhat high floor and then lower ceiling guy just because of the lack of, of that sort of elite athleticism. So then there's from that, then I have the expectation that he's going to be able to come in week one, even as a rookie and still be able to be involved in an NFL offense and contribute. Like he's not going to, you know, at, at times last year, Anthony Schwartz looked very overmatched in terms of where to be, where the ball should be, those sorts of things. Um, and so my expectation with with Bell is that even with you know obviously maybe the backup quarterback, those it won't be as much of an issue for him. It should should be more about just finding the time for him to get on the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. And again, uh, again, I don't think they sought out to find somebody else to do that Landry role because I mean that's kind of what Landry has done. You know, he thrives on quick twitch where that's not really Bell's game, but like the short to intermediate stuff, the quick hitters, those are kind of where Landry thrived. But again, there, there is a, there's a vacancy there. There's a void there. Uh, so I, I do think that, that there's a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So it's, if they, if they're, your expectation would be if they're in 11 in week one, it'd be Bell, Cooper and DPJ with Najoku. Yes. Depending on down and distance as well. well sure. you yeah. Know. But yeah, just so. in terms of like what that base three wide receiver offense looks like. That would be my assumption. Yeah. 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 It would, because it would be, I'm just trying to think this through out loud, which was maybe not the best viewing, but, uh, you know, otherwise it would be Schwartz or uh, Jakeem Grant. I mean, those are the other names Mm -hmm. that are in the, so yeah, Bell's got the opportunity, I guess. And uh, 
you know, in terms of things to watch during training camp, I think that's probably at the top of the list, right? Is how does he look? How comfortable does he look running routes? How comfortable does he look with his assignments? And then when you move into the preseason games, you know, does he look overmatched or is he, you know, sort of a fit? Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a. I would be shocked if he would come in and looked overwhelmed as well. Just like right. everything that I picked up from his demeanor, uh, his college tape, uh, I, I I tend to think that he's probably ready to go. Right, and then and and. It's probably worth mentioning that bearing, or I should say barring anything really unexpected, Deshaun Watson will be the Browns quarterback through uh, the preseason. And so, you know, they will have the the opportunity to build that rapport. Uh, and, and then, you know, so you, you could see David Bell playing a lot, a lot of snaps because he might want to play with Watson and then with Brissett all the way through the second team. So I think he's probably, I mean, from my perspective, he's the, he's the guy to watch throughout training camp because if he can do, the things that we've just talked about, it it really adds that dimension to the offense that they kind of don't have an answer for otherwise right now. Uh, okay, so uh, moving on to the next player that I've just kind of made a list. I'm, I'm not going exactly in the order they were drafted, but close. Um, where do you think Martin Emerson fits in the corner room positionally? I mean, I think he's got the length, obviously, to be an outside corner. That's where he played at Mississippi State. Seems like that's the natural answer, right? So he, he's not really an answer for the slot. I don't mm-hmm. think, or, or is that something he could do? I, I would lean towards no, just because I, I again, he's long, like he's mm. tall and that's not always like an indicator, like, Oh, he can't play in the slot, but, but it is when, when like taller guys have a problem playing a little bit high hipped, haven't mm. had the ability to, to really struggle to sink their hips. And I kind of see that with Emerson. Um, so I don't think he's the nickel answer. And again, if you just, I, what I do is I go back and look like, well, what did they do when Troy Hill had that freak accident with his neck and he missed games last year? And it was, they would bring greedy on and kick Newsom into the nickel. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to think that's what they're going to do uh, this year as well is, is, is Newsom will, will kick in a nickel and then greedy will come on. Right. Um, but where I see Emerson's kind of fit in 2022 will be, I think he's going to be in direct competition with greedy Williams mm-hmm. or in those nickel looks, uh, do I, do I come on or does Greedy come on? So I think right. that's that's kind of going to be his niche in, in, you know, this year in 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, if you look at, at the amount of games that Greedy, that Denzel, that Greg Newsom have all missed, like he's going to play a lot as a rookie mm-hmm. just just based off of off of historical trends and, you know, yeah. like he's going to play this year. Um, right. and, but then, you know, AJ Green is on the roster still too. And mm-hmm. I think AJ Green has excelled when he has seen snaps. So like, mm-hmm. That's not to count out AJ Green, but um, again, the, the, the Browns will always address depth at corner, and they will continue to stack depth, and that's why. Like you can't; these guys all have groin injuries. It's because they're really twitchy, um, and you want really twitchy corners, but like yeah, yeah. that 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 kind of that's kind of the, the gamble that you that you take. So um, again, you know he'll see he'll he'll see snaps because Greedy's going to miss time because Newsom's going to miss time because Ward's going to miss time, uh, but he does have an opportunity to to win snaps as well in direct competition. So when you after he was picked and then you spent some time you you broke his film down went back and kind of assessed his his fit. I mean do you, do you I know at the time I remember being live on Twitch with you when he was selected and it was a little bit of a huh it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a head scratcher. Uh, do you, what's your feel now as compared to then for his fit with the Browns, not just necessarily, you know, week one this year, but you know, for the full four years of his rookie deal or five years, I should say, no, he's a third rounder. Never mind. Four yeah. years. Yeah. So I still don't like I, I, everything comes with the team that drafts him though. So like, you know, I wrote a draft guide and he wasn't my favorite prospect, like overall league wide college, like prospect wide, but like, he fits what Joe Woods wants. He fits the guardrails. Like he's super young. He tested well. He's long. Like he checks boxes. So like for the Browns, like I get the pick mm-hmm. um, for Joe Woods, who runs a lot of cover three. Uh, I get it. Um, he's going to be challenged when he's forced to match up one-on-one with people. He's going to be challenged when he, when he has to line up and press uh, th- those aren't really his strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, there are strengths to his game. There's weaknesses to a game to his game. But again, Joe Woods runs a lot of cover three and he ran a lot of cover three at Mississippi state. So, um, I think Cleveland was probably his best team fit. So, um, I, I still probably am sitting on the fence with the pick, but again, mm-hmm. he hasn't played a single down. So I'm willing to give it, I'm yeah. willing to give it some time. So, yeah. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap. 
A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian Bridge Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina, yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls, rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I mean, I think the, the impression that I got from, I think it was maybe some of the building the Browns behind the scenes stuff, is that, you know, he, he they, they seemed... It, it, I think to your point about fit, they seemed very excited to get him. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I, I think maybe ideally in, in that position room, uh, he plays less this year, uh, you know, rookie mm-hmm. cornerback. I mean, what Greg Newsom did last year, you know, is incredibly impressive for a rookie cornerback to play that well for that volume of snaps um, is very rare. Uh, and so we shouldn't expect, I don't think Emerson to be a very, a, a, you know, a super productive player right off the bat, but, but over the course of the contract, you know, they, they draft these guys for the full four years. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I see the fit. And I, I think they're them. It's kind of, you know, it's almost like JOK last year where I was excited about it, but I didn't really at the, at the time you didn't. I, it was hard to see what exactly it looked like. Uh, you know, so you trust to a certain extent, you trust the team that they have a good idea of like the type of players they want to add to their their defense. And, um, you know, it worked out last year. They got two, uh, I mean, very talented players in the first two rounds. And so you have to, I mean, the ex- expectations are a little lower because Emerson's a third round pick, but, mm-hmm. but still, I think he's, he's in that mold of, as you said, young and athletic and uh, a fit system wise. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what role he plays this year. They have, as you, as you mentioned, they have a lot of cornerbacks, but they also have a lot of cornerbacks who tend to get hurt. So, um, you know, could we be st- staring at a situation where Martin Emerson is, starting you know in week uh five or six or seven you know and and what is what does that look like as somebody at his age so we're just not in a position where robert jackson is starting a playoff game anymore (laughs) so so i think that's that's the the overarching right uh success story of the corner right days so yeah yeah and i think you know they i mean robert jackson was not good i think it's fair to say but I mean, the other name that jumps into my head is Tavier Thomas and how much he played in 2020, how much run he got. And he went on to have a pretty good year last year in Houston. So I think, you know, uh, there's, there's, I think that, you know, especially with the secondary, that's kind of Joe Woods's niche, you know, that's where he makes his, uh, that's where he's made his money even before he was a defensive coordinator. And so I think there's got to be a level of trust that he knows how to get his guys in, you know, and if it's not right away, eventually they'll kind of, they'll kind of catch on. So let's talk now about your favorite pick in the draft. Uh, Alex Wright, uh, you know, he's at a position that when he was drafted, we thought, oh, wow, he could have a big opportunity because Jadavian Clowney was not on the roster. But Clowney's back now. We've got Clowney and Garrett, and they both, you know, they both rotate out a fair amount. Um, they definitely take takes up their time off. But, you know, is, is that a situation where Wright comes on the field? I guess the question I'm really trying to ask is, how much do you think we see Alex Wright this season? Uh, I think we see him a tremendous amount uh, just based off of the other guys behind Garrett and Clowney. Um, again, Chase, Chase Winovich is on the roster. You know, he's, he's, he's probably a pretty good bet to make the roster. I wouldn't call him a lock by any means, but he's a pretty good bet. Um, but him and Alex Wright have two different roles. And so yeah. then we look at Stephen Weatherly. They gave Stephen Weatherly quite a bit of guaranteed money for the contract design, you know, almost the full thing guaranteed, um, which means he's probably a pretty good bet to make the roster. Um, so I really think uh, Weatherly uh, and Wright are going to be challenging for that first big end off the bench. So um, I tend to think, man, I tend to think that he could see the snaps that Tack McKinley got last year. So, I mean, the, the Browns have more depth. Again, the fourth, the fourth edge isn't going to be a mixture of Odangbo and, Right. Porter Gustin and, you know, Joe Jackson, people like that. So we, we have four decent edge rushers now. So it's not like we're stressed. Like you have to play on, you have to play in this right. role. So uh, it's a good question. I, I like that he has a longer runway, but I, I, again, he's in my opinion, the first big end off the bench. So, you know, if Clowney goes down, which Clowney has a history of going down, I think Alex Wright is probably that starter opposite miles Garrett. Um, yeah. If miles Garrett goes down, I, I don't know if he's going to be that weak side guy, you know, 
right. first weeks I got off the bench. But um, definitely that first, uh, that that first. Um, sorry, my camera just messed up. Yeah, that, first, uh, <laughs> that was weird. a different angle. Uh, yeah, that. So I have my webcam over my laptop over here, my webcam up here. But um, but he is, I think, that first big end off the bench. So yeah. uh, I think he's going to see a good amount of snaps. Um, again, he's a third round pick from a, a, a G5 school. Um, I like his production. I liked, his, uh, I, of course, I loved his tape. Like right. I wasn't quiet about that. So, <laughs> but, but again, you never know how these guys are going to translate to the NFL right. and how long it's going to take them to pick up a, a, an NFL playbook. And yeah. um, so, so, but I, I think he's going to be given every opportunity. And I, mm-hmm. again, I think he's the, the clear apparent to Jadavian Clowney when, you know, when 2023 comes around. Uh, yes. So yeah. uh, I, I think that the opportunity is going to be there for him. Yeah, and you—he's one of the guys that you had a chance to talk to after the draft too, right? You—you you had an interview with him that was was on the OBR. Just want to let everybody know that that's available still. Uh, it was a great interview. Um, from when, from talking to him, do you get the sense? I mean, that he, like, I mean, every player is going to say that they're ready, but what does that jump look like from UAB to the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, he's not Cleo Mack, but Cleo Mack went from the Mack to the, you right. know top five pick and dominators, but again, he's not Cleo Mack, but um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think level of competition isn't like, it isn't like the transition. I don't think is steeper. Okay. I, I guess, I guess what I'm yeah. trying to say. Sure. Um, like I know the defensive coordinator he had, I know the defensive coach he had. So like the defensive line coach he had. So like, I, I know he was getting coached up well at UAB mm-hmm. um, despite the school he played at. And again, like his production numbers were off the charts in terms of pressure, pressure percentage, run, disru- run disruption rate, things like that. Like, he clearly was was outclassing the competition he was going against, uh, which is mm-hmm. which is a good sign. So um, when 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 we talked to him, it, he did kind of just say, you know, whatever the coaching says, right. whatever the coaches say is what I'll do. So he was pretty right. cool about it. Yeah. Um, but he he did make a a note to say like I'm just absorbing as much as I can right now. You yeah. know, I'm just I'm just in Miles' ear as much as I can. I'm just listening to the, you know things like that. So yeah. um, which is the mindset you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't exactly. I, it would be hard for me to project like, Oh, I think he could pick up the playbook pretty fast or I think it's going to be a little bit longer. Sure. So, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, to, to a point you made a minute ago, the, it really changes the complexion of the defense. If he is as explosive as he showed uh, in college for the Browns, as you said, coming, you know, cha- changing who's coming off the bench to replace Clowney or Garrett, you know, when they need a blow, if it's, if it's a, a, a guy like Alex, Wright, You know, uh, or even, a, you know, an Isaiah Thomas, or like you said, a Stephen Weatherly. There's, you know, there's some names there that are, I think, a, 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 a tier above, you know, the uh, Fetty Adenabos and the Joe Jacksons, like you mentioned. Uh, and so it, it changes the complexion of the defense if they have a little bit of def- defensive line depth that can rotate in and out and stress an offensive line. Because I think sometimes last year it kind of felt like when Miles Garrett got tired, you know, the pass rush was just, it wasn't there, you know, it was non-existent without Garrett in the game, uh, especially once McKinley got hurt. But even, even when McKinley came, I mean, he, he just, you know, it's, it's a different impact. And I think Wright has the sort of uh, size and explosiveness that, you know, should allow him to impact the game, hopefully uh, in those sorts of situations and jump in. Um, My other question about Alex Wright is, uh, I mean, is there something that he needs to, do like what i guess what's what's his biggest area for improvement so if we're watching him in training camp what's something that he maybe didn't you didn't see enough of it in college that seeing it like if you saw it against the jaguars the first game you'd be like all right he's going to be playing significant snaps yeah i would say it's how he uses his hands um it would be you know how he built his pass rush plan uh, again i think he moves really well for his size i mean he's six foot five and 270 pounds so he, he's a big dude so uh, but I, I think he moves well. I think he's pretty flexible at that size. Like he can win around the outside track. He's not like he's not entirely strictly a, like a power rusher who's going to win inside all the time. Um, and so I think that's a misconception that he's going to want to spell. But like he's got that going for him. But uh, um, I, I, he's got to get better at using his hands. So uh, I mean, he's long. He's got long arms. So um, and he's strong. So but but again, can you? You know, when when you're lining up against an offensive tackle, uh, pre-snap say, I know he's going to set wide, so I'm going to win this way, or I know he's going to try to catch me, so I'll win this way. And not only that, but like when your your pre-snap plan is wrong, or when your pre-snap plan is is kind of stalled, right? Can you get 
hands out of your chest? Can you counter? Can you diversify your attack? So, so offensive linemen don't kind of know what you're, you're bringing every single time. So uh, I, I think kind of diversifying his pass rush, plan, pass rush plan is kind of where he has the most room to grow. Yeah. And so that's, to me, that's exciting to, you know, one of, I mean, the preseason is tough, right? Cause you just want it to be September. You want to watch real football. You want to, you want it to matter. But if you can kind of find these little nuggets, you know, that, that keep you going and keep you interested and, and maybe give you an indication of where these players are at, you know, and it's not just players that were rookies this year, but it's also players that, that have, you know, are developing players. I saw in, in chat, we had a question from Ico OBR uh, a few minutes ago. He was asking about AJ Green's development ceiling. I'll say for myself, I was really impressed with him last year. Uh, I think the, to be put in the situation he was, for example, against the Chargers is, you know, and, and to play pretty well is is really impressive for a UDFA or former UDFA. And so I just, if, if you have any thoughts on AJ Green and, and his fit, I know we, we talked about the cornerback room. It's it's pretty full, but I think with the trade of Troy Hill, it, it seems like he's, you know, on the inside looking out, if that's an expression for the, for the room this year. Yeah. I, I don't think his roster spots in any in any sort of danger. In fact, I, I believe this might be the last year of his deal. Hey, Jake Burns. I, I to, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I need to look up that for sure. But I'm, I'm yeah, this is he's a UDF a UFA after this year. So okay. Uh, I tend to think. Oh, sorry, that was the wrong AJ Green. Oh, the other. Yeah, well, he's definitely. <laughs> a free agent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a UFA after this year too. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if the Browns don't try to like work out something towards the future. If anything, I think he makes almost Greedy Williams even more a little bit expendable. Not that they're going to look to trade him or not that, but he's got one year left too. So right. I, I don't see. I don't think they're going to have a lot of effort to try to retain Greedy Williams at this point. Uh, and I think a lot of that goes one to Emerson's fit in the defense, but two, kind of how AJ Green has stepped in when he's been forced to step up. So. Um, just a tremendous effort from him whenever he's come on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's, it's been, you know, one of those diamonds in the rough that you hope you can find. And, and I, I think it will be interesting, as I was just saying, uh, preseason wise to see kind of what he puts out there on tape this uh, mm -hmm. preseason. Jake, how are you this evening? I am good guys. I'm a little late, but you know, we're here. Yeah. So and, and on something. That's right. We figured yeah. that disaster out. <laughs> so that's good. Right. So yeah, we've just been running through uh, the rookies. Uh, we've we've covered Bell, Emerson, and Wright so far. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those guys that you want to share, just in terms of really kind of mostly have been talking about where they fit for this season specifically. <clears throat> yeah, we kind of broke down on my my podcast last night. I had Brad Ward on, and we talked about stat projections and and trying to look at how it felt like if they were suspending Watson for six games, which is what that exercise had, that they were missing like 700 passing yards. I mean, I think he had Watson going for like 224 a game, which is not what they traded for and extremely low. So I have a hard time believing that would be the outcome when that guy finds the field. So they, you know, to me, something along the lines of like 450 yards and 35, 40 catches for bell would be fine. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I think that would be fine, uh, and 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 just some diversity to where he's playing inside, outside, showing you he can do. It's really a show me what you can do year for a guy like David Bell. I mean, show me whether you can be the guy uh, some of us think we are, and right, and uh, think he is. I'm sorry, and uh, so some uh, have some some doubt because of the athleticism, and I totally understand that. So, um, yeah, that that makes sense to me. I don't. Uh, we also kind of answered the question of the roundtable that we're going to eventually get to when my life slows down, hopefully have it posted tomorrow, about which which of these guys they cut first I, uh, from Andrew Barry's drafts. I, I think that the defensive end competition is probably the deepest. doesn't mean it's full of, like, hyper-talented, proven NFL talent, but it's going to be a bunch of guys that could make the roster, right? Like, I think that that's a thing. So you better show up and be ready to play and your limited opportunities. You better put on tape that you can do it because I think you and I, Corey would agree that we like Isaiah Thomas quite a bit, but if you're a seventh round pick and you don't show out quickly, you're, there's a potential you get exposed. It could be on the practice squad, right? Like that, that's an outcome that's possible. So um, I don't, I don't want to think that's going to happen. I haven't, I think, I think he's going to make it, but definitely an interesting one to pay attention to the same with, with Deaton, right? I mean, you know, there's poachages on the roster. They got a bunch of guys, hands and done on the interior. You forget Drew Forbes is still hanging around Berea too. So 
Uh, you know, those guys that are selected at the end of this draft, and even Michael Woods, who I think I think has a real chance here. But my 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 general point is, you can't Vince mail this thing, right? You can't just show up and act like your roster spots guaranteed. There is going to be some competition now. Again, there are going to be better competitions around the league in some of these positions, but they are uh, kind of crowded with some some guys who have some repetitive skill sets. So they will definitely be looking to fill uh, the end of those position groups with guys who are multifaceted. I know we have an article coming up from Anthony Reinhardt this week about special teams and which guys that left from last year's rosters were integral part of special teams because that will determine whether you can run down the field and make a tackle on kickoff, whether you can be a punt flanker or a gunner and punt team and run past somebody and, and make sure to to maintain an edge and set and set and funnel all of that stuff you know if you're a, an interior guy can you anchor pat right can you do field goal team stuff so there's a lot of, go- of stuff going on here with specials that are going to dictate more than we want to admit dictate who makes the 53 initially or whatever the number is it could be more than 53 now 55 i can't remember but yeah there's just a lot of stuff there that we don't maybe always consider it's not just the best player uh when you're talking about a fourth or fifth d end or a fifth defensive tackle or that extra linebacker or that that fourth tight end or that maybe they carry a fullback well what else do they do what else can they attribute to given that they won't see the field much so there's a lot of that at play too yeah, so you don't you don't want to be a Vince Male so much as a Vince Papali, right? That's the love it. Well yeah, done. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, Corey, to Jake's point, uh, of those three names he mentioned at the end of the draft, Michael Woods, Isaiah Thomas, and Dawson Deaton, um, what do you think about their chances uh, vis-a-vis making the roster? Yeah, so we got to go. One, look at historical trends of how many of these guys have made the roster. You know, sure. the initial fifty-three. And two, how that's going to differ this year. So, again, historically, the past two years with Andrew Barry, they've only rostered four defensive ends. Uh, the way the defensive tackle room looks, I think they, they're they probably going to roster five, uh, which which gives Isaiah Thomas, you know, a little bit of breathing room. Um, but, again, they paid Stephen Weatherly a lot in guaranteed money. They have Alex Wright, and they have Chase Winovich. So that's that's five right there, considering uh, Garrett and Clowney as well. So it's going to be tough. Um Wide receiver, I, I again, historically, they've rostered five. I think they go six, mainly because Jakeem Grant is a, is a, is a special teamer. He's a specialist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're going to consider like his roster spot as a wide receiver roster spot. Uh, and so if they, they roster six wide receivers, which I think they're going to, that, that leaves pretty much uh, Michael Woods, uh, Javon Wims, uh, Isaiah Weston, and Jamarcus Bradley, who's hung around for a couple of years right. here now. But Jamarcus Bradley's been on the practice squad the past two years and just brought up, so I I, I don't have any inclination that he's going to somehow, I don't know, show out this year and do it. So uh, I think Woods probably has the best chance of those three to, to make the roster. Um, and then interior offensive line, um, Deed's probably got a good chance too. Again, one of the guardrails is the – or one of the, the – yeah, guardrails is to turn the bottom of the roster and, and how many of those offensive interior offensive line guys like Hans Dunn, mm-hmm. uh, how many of those guys do they consider the bottom of the roster? So, right. um, well, they look at, you know, well, we can have Deaton for three years. We can have Deaton for, you know, four years and these right. guys, you know, expiring after the year. So I don't know if that's something that goes into consideration either, but uh, there's a lot of names <laughs> in the interior depth as yeah. well. So I, I would I would probably rank it Woods, Deaton, Thomas in terms of, of likelihood to make the roster and again there's just a lot of names at defensive end that have been given like pretty good perks like a third round pick a lot of guaranteed money to weatherly like that's that's mm-hmm. not a lot that's 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 not something to look over so right. i would say woods deaton thomas in terms of making the roster yeah i, I think uh, to your point there there it's interesting now going into the third season with the same general manager that there are some names on the roster that have been on the roster and we kind of think of that as an asset right like Michael Dunn has hung around, but to the, to your point, like his contracts also been tolling every year. So, you know, the, the time at which he is no longer super cheap is coming closer. And so does that prioritize some of these younger guys that have four cost controlled years coming up? Uh, you know, do that, does that give them a little bit of a leg up? It'd be interesting to watch. Um, I had one more question about the 2022 rookies, and this is just pandering to the audience. I know what the people want. They want Perry and Winfrey. Uh, so my question to both of you, and uh, I'll have uh, Jake answer first, is uh, can Perry and Winfrey start right away? And then the second part of that question is, should we be happy if he is starting right away? 
<clears throat> yeah, he can. I mean, he definitely can. There's an open competition going on there. There is no leader in the clubhouse, in my opinion, for who's going to be your defensive tackle group. I mean, I think in that projection of stats, I think he, uh, Mike Clay had um, Sheldon Day as the second highest interior snap count guy. He had he had him over just underneath, uh, just underneath Jordan Elliott. So uh, out in front of Taven Bryan. So. I don't know. There's an open competition of guys who, and I think this is clearly the same situation for uh, this, the, the, what happened at Oklahoma with Perrion, of just guys who kind of underachieved. And they're hoping somebody can take hold of that and be consistent. They're not asking for any guys in there to be pro bowlers, but they just need them to be respectable. And if that if that means they rotate five of them in and out, then yeah, then keep them fresh and they can do that and they can pair them up and keep the rotation of one and three and moving them around and 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 do the different front stuff they like to do that's also a fine outcome to me so uh yeah i i mean do do i think perion can get a lot of snaps this year sure uh, there's definitely uh, credence to the idea that oklahoma's defense was very strategic in how they moved their defensive linemen and, and very rigid that's that's not a secret to anybody who covered ou or has covered ou or knows uh grinch's defense and then Obviously, we saw uh, what I think is, is a tweet from Perion that's unfortunate, but you know, talking about being around a real defensive coordinator, I I, I just think that the uh, loose tweets from Perion Winfrey might be something that we should get used to, just uh, yeah. my hunch. But in that mold, there could be a level to – he could just be a better two-gap player. So we'll see what happens. I don't I don't hold high hopes for any fourth-round rookie. They, they, they're fourth-rounders typically for a reason. We'll see what happens. It would be really nice to get a Grady Jarrett type, wouldn't it? You know, in that sort of sort of sort of scenario. But it is hard to say, hey man, and I've seen this a lot, even the David Bell stuff about people just banking on them. Well, these are late third, fourth round guys. These are still sort of lotto tickets, right? So mm-hmm. that is uh that that's that has to be considered here. I I never would well, I would give advice. I would never go into scenarios with third and fourth round picks, especially those late that are almost late thirds that are almost fourth round picks and beyond anyway with expectations for like uh, big time contributions. So uh, I'm, I'm very timid in how I uh, expect those young guys there to contribute. But uh, it, to, to answer the question again, yes, he can. Uh, I don't, ex- I don't expect it though. I really, I really yeah. don't. We'll see what happens. Corey, your thoughts on Perrion in 2022? I mean, he's going to see a lot of snaps. I think that's more of just by necessity. You know, by necessity, I mean, we're talking about Sheldon Day being considered the the, the second most productive defensive lineman. That's yeah. the guy who made the practice squad last year. So, um, I just think his skill set. I mean, he did play a lot of a lot of shade um, at OU, but I don't think that's like one what he wants to do. I think he was pretty vocal about like that's not what I would like what he wanted to do at OU. I think he wants to 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 be a gap shooter. I think he wants to play in the three tech. So. I, but I think, you know, they're probably going to give Taven Bryan every chance to win that role. So, but I, but I do think, you know, pass rush situationals for sure. Uh, he's he's going to see the field. Um, just, you know, he's explosive. He's long. He's he's built like an ox. So I, I think I think he's the kind of guy they, they want on the field. You know, when they say pin your, pin your ears back and go after the quarterback. Sure. But like, unless he, you know, he, he plays where Malik McDowell did last year, which I don't think that's going to be something that they're going to, force him into and i don't know if he's de- de- like he he wasn't very good against the run just flat out not very good against the run so i don't i don't see that being an element where he's going to thrive so um sure he's going to see the field you know pass r- or as, as a pass rusher and in, in, in passing situations but uh i, I tend to think that taven bryan's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt over a fourth rounder to to kind of s- at least start early in the season at, as the, the three tech yeah i think that that's probably the the I, I think from from both of you uh, some words of of caution that are probably necessary but i'm telling you once he hits training camp it's gonna the hype the hype train's gonna gain a lot of steam um do do either of you want to talk about the kicker we had somebody in it was manimal 1955 just said york question mark anybody got five seconds on york for me I, I will just say I've never seen like in a practice session where they just asked a kicker to rattle off 60 yarders like they had York do in, in minicamp last week. I've never seen that before. That's pretty bizarre. Yeah, I, I mean, he's talented. It's just a matter of being accurate. And 
also being patient. I continue to say uh, that you got to you got to be patient with them. I think again to harken back on the stat projection stuff, like twenty eight of thirty three, I think is what he had him projected as. I think that would be a win, depending on where the the five misses come from. But that would be a win. I think he's talented enough that they should be extremely patient with him. Um, and I and I think he's like to Corey's point there. He's kicking 60 yarders randomly in Berea with the field goal post there a little shrunk down to make it seem even harder. Yeah, he should. He's he's got it. I mean, it for kickers is 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 power off the foot, like not cyber power, right? <laughs> that goofy <laughs> quote from all those years ago. I you can see it, and you could see it at LSU. It's just a matter of is he going to be able to handle kickoffs well uh, and 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 place them where they want to place them, whether that's out of deep portions of the end zone or they want to try to bury people inside the 25. Uh, that part will be important too. And also, uh, you know, the kicking stuff has got to be in tune and something to pay attention to is from everybody I've talked to about Corey B- Bjorquez. I, I call him, Bo- I'm, I think I'm just going to call him Bojo. Um, yep. He is going to be the holder. And I've heard from at least six people of former franchises he's been at. He's a terrible holder. So that mm-hmm. part makes me uneasy. We'll see what comes of it. And if he can handle the holding, but I've just heard people say he's not a good holder and that's been like well-known. So, um, yeah, don't want to ruin your Monday, but that's what I've been told, and hopefully that works out for the best. Yeah, he was the punter in Green Bay last year, right? And uh, I, I live in Wisconsin, and I follow enough for some of this stuff to kind of soak through. And uh, I remember that very, you know, because Crosby had a bad year last year, and the Packers fans that knew were blaming Bohorquez for a lot of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's an open competition still, right? Joseph Charlton is, is still around, so... I guess we'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, watch watch the holds when the preseason starts. Get your, you know, TiVo those and, and rewind that. Uh, Corey, since we have you tonight and it's, uh, you know, draft is your thing, I just thought I'd give you a few minutes here at the end of the show uh, to talk 2023 draft names uh, ahead of the season coming up uh, in the fall. Uh, if there's any names at the top of your head and also if there's any teams uh, that have maybe a collection of talent. We have so many Oklahoma Sooners that are on the Browns roster this year, obviously, there's no way to predict that into the future, but um, if there's any teams or, or players that you've already got your eye on for next year. Uh, I'll start with positions. Not, it's not an option you gave me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway. That's, you can uh, do <laughs> so the white, there's a lot of 20 year olds and then in the wide receiver class, which is mm-hmm. like for a team that I think is, is going to need a wide receiver pretty early again next year. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good news. It's not, here's my qualm with the wide receiver class though, is like, there's a lot of guys who are majority slot receivers. Uh, so but again, like Jackson Smith and Jigba ran 93% of his routes from the slot. Garrett Wilson ran eight, I think only 17% of his snaps outside the numbers heading into 2021, you know, from the 2020 season. And that jumped to like 83, something like that. So again, that, that could be something we see from Jackson Smith and Jigma. Um, you know, so the wide receiver classes, I think is a lot of, I'll call them versatile guys. Cause I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, a lot of guys who haven't proven they can win outside the numbers and against press coverage yet. Um, so I, I'm going to be interested in that. Um, there are quite a few pass rushers as I like, um, though, uh, early on. And again, I think the Browns are going to be in the market for a pass rusher early on mm-hmm. again, next year as well, uh, as early as they can be considering, you know, they don't have an early pick. Um, but you know, I, I just did a film room on, on army edge rusher army has a, has a big time edge rusher and Andre Carter, the second, uh, I mean, he, the dude's, built like a basketball player. He's six foot seven, 260 pounds. Like he's long, long as it gets. Uh, he's pretty thin though. And it shows against the run, but as far as like toolsy tradesy pass rusher, this guy's got it. Um, he's bendy. Uh, he looks like Gumby. He plays like Gumby. Um, and he's a four senior. So there's the chance that I don't have a confirmed date of birth on him, but there's the chance that, that he could be, you know, uh, under the, under the age guardrail as well. Um, I really like, uh, Nolan Smith out of Georgia as well. He's another pass rusher. I really like super long, uh, his frame isn't super built out, but you wouldn't guess it by the way that he, he sets an edge by the way that, that he really anchors in against the run. He's very strong against the run. Um, again, the, the guys at the top, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, we kind of know about them. Right. Um, Miles Murphy, it might give Will Anderson a run for his money in terms of it, it, like a top guy in the class at, off the edge. He's, he's tremendous as well. Um, that's six foot five and two seventy five, so uh, he's a big dude. Um, so there are quite a few edges I like. Um, I hope we don't need to talk about quarterbacks, so you know <laughs> we won't go there. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Offensive tackle class doesn't really stand out to me. Again, the top guy that people talk about in the offensive tackle class hasn't played tackle yet. So in Paris Johnson from Ohio state. So um, again, I, I, I don't know. We'll see that the tackle class is kind of a wild card, but uh, there's a lot to like along the defensive line mm-hmm. in this class, in my opinion. So, well, I mean, yeah, as, as people in the chat have mentioned, uh, no first rounder next year as well. And so, the chances that uh, you know a, a big time player are going to be coming the Browns' way seem seem low at this point. And as Corey rightly said, hopefully quarterback is not on the list of needs. Uh, we'll just knock on wood for that one. Uh, but it's always you know it's always draft season. Basically, there's like two weeks after the always. draft where it feels a little bit too early. But after that, it's it's time to to tuck back into it. And so you know, as as every year, the OBR is the place to be for draft content. Uh, and Corey, I know you'll be you'll be doing some of that over the course of the season, right? You'll be writing on, on some prospects and keeping an eye on that stuff as the season moves along. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm wrapping up some, you know, rookie class stuff now. And I think I'm going to do a little bit of like established vet film stuff, you know, but, but pretty soon into the summer, you know, I'll run, by, run out of ideas and start some, some early season watch lists, rankings, things like that. So pretty excited for it. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, it's, it's where we want, you know, everybody to go for all of their draft content, even in June, uh, is the OBR because we, we've got stuff that nobody else has got. Uh, Jake, uh, I asked this to Corey earlier and, um, I know it's hard to say because it's a uh, mini camp and, you know, we don't really get it, but is there anything that you are kind of curious to see if we hear more about over the course of the next few days of, of mini camp practices? <clears throat> uh, I'll pay attention to some video stuff, alignment stuff where, um, <clears throat> Uh, who's who's the fullback when they use a guy in the backfield with the first group, whether that's Harrison Bryant or they're using Johnny Stanton. There's always stuff to be learned, right? The, who's the third tight end if you can catch a glimpse of uh, who runs that and, and any of their 13 stuff they try to run. That gives you an idea who has a mini leg up going into the home stretch of the offseason. Um, otherwise, not a ton. I'll, I definitely will look where the three receivers are lining up. Where Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Harrison is that is that third safety? But yeah, there's just a lot of alignment things, and that's really, that's really all you can get. I mean, even if you go up to training camp, is you know you're looking at alignment stuff, and 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 when you get some live game action, you can start to figure out who seems like they can do some of those those uh, you know tougher tougher sorts of things. But you know, you only get about 15 minutes of of live practice where they're going at each other. So yeah, it's always alignment and usage and stuff like that. So uh, with with a week of videos here, hopefully we can get some coverage and get a get a feel for some of those things. I'll try to keep an eye out for that, but you won't get anything groundbreaking. You never do, as as they uh, make sure. And um, you know that's where you got to wait for preseason to figure out the fun stuff. But there's always little nuggets to take away and overreact to, right? Yeah. Well, it's June, so we have to. It's <laughs> that's required. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, well, as, as Fred mentioned earlier, uh, he will be in Berea tomorrow and then Canton on, uh, Wednesday and then at the stadium on Thursday, I think is the schedule. So, uh, he will be our man on the scene and he will be, uh, pumping out a lot of content as a result of that, uh, with press conferences every day, availabilities and, uh, and then just the, you know, the details from, so follow him on Twitter at Fred Greetham nine and, uh, Look out for his articles at the OBR. Anything else, Jake? I, I, uh, I'm i not 100% clued in on what's coming up this week. Any, any other big articles coming up this mm-hmm. week on the OBR? Mention Anthony's article I'm excited about. John Stephenson's going to do something on our um, slot cornerback situation. He's going to try to pinpoint a little bit of the responsibilities there. I know Corey's putting out uh, Dawson Deaton film room, and we're going to have some other fun stuff over the weekend. We'll do AFC North wide receiver player rankings. So looking at that, which I'm sure won't have an orange and brown shade at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue. I think we're going to try to crack into some Br- Jacoby Brissett film by the end of the week because we're going to probably see him as the next quarterback before any other quarterback here. So we should probably get accustomed to what he can do and what he can do. All right. So that's this week in the middle of June at the OBR. Still plenty of Browns content, even at this time of year. I want to thank Corey Kinnon for joining me uh, for the hour. Thanks to Fred Greetham for being here earlier. Jake, thanks for stopping by for a bit here at the end. It's been great to talk to you all tonight. And uh, thank you all for watching and joining us. And uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow night, I believe, uh, for Garage Beers at 9. And then Wednesday, uh, OBR Weekly. Thursday, the new Ask the OBR show. Jake and I will be back for that. And that's your week in Browns Twitch content. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we will see you tomorrow. Go Browns. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.